James is a real preparer. Like you, you can like you got all of James's persona last week. Jeremy's the exact opposite person in every way. And then I like to think myself somewhere in the middle. Oh, are you guys like from the same area? Or you, or oh you yeah, we all. We, so when they said they borrowed equipment, it was all my equipment. Oh no shit. So when they started, so I started streaming because I was in like more radio and media stuff. So I had a lot of the equipment. So they started and literally they hung my, my, my microphone from like almost James's ceiling because <laughs> we didn't have a boom arm yet. And they wrapped it with a, a thin piece of string. So me and my co-host, my co-host went to college with them. And then we all, we've all, we all play with somebody. Oh, see, that's so slick. Yeah. I didn't know that I was completing the puzzle. Oh, 100%. Well, that's what they talked about last week. They tried not to. We talked about it after the show. Because a lot of the magic stuff, a lot of the moments and everything that happens, they don't want to keep saying the same people's names, like if people don't know who it is. Sure, yeah, so. yeah. So now you get to come in and then both fill me in and then fill everybody who's listening in on. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if we want to go right into it, like this is basically, I know what it's going to be, but. What is up, you treasure tokens? Welcome back to another episode of the Fetch and Shock podcast. I am your host, an off-colored signet, Tyler, and joining me, a very special guest, a turn one soul ring lane from the mana rock podcast what's going on just a lot of zindikar just love like the mana rock podcast we're all about commander there and this is the year of commander right so we're getting some heat some real this heat is the year of commander which is i pretty cool honestly do you know why commander is the like the most popular format Oh, you have that, you have a philosophical. Oh, 100%. Because it bridges between casual and competitive. Oh, I like this. Because you can do your lower tier tribal goats or your upper tier infinite combo storm. You know what I mean? So it, it, it bridges the whole gap. Commander paints with a wide brush. Yeah, because there's so many different tables. Like it's not just like, like it's not a standard tournament where the janky people are over here at their own table getting to jank. And that's what Commander is. And that's the beauty of it. It brings the people together. And that's 100%. Like, it, that's it. And, like, that's why it's the most popular. That's Like, once I thought of that, I'm like, that's it. Commander will be around, and that's why prices drive because of Commander. Like, You are so right, though. Started out playing, like, very casual stuff. Moved into Commander. Then decided that, like, competitive magic was the thing that I wanted to do. Played a shit ton of competitive magic, whether it was, like, modern, legacy, whatever. And then now, I'm back on the Commander train. It just I goes full out. circle. Yeah. I, I burned out on, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it, but I burned out so hard on competitive because it was just like, well, I got Mythic this time, or I did go to here, and I'm like, man, I really want to play Jank, but I don't want to lose my money. So if I can take this one deck that doesn't rotate or whatever, and see, because I start, I remember when Commander started, and it was a huge thing back in like 2012, 2013. But yeah, like it's, Commander's it, I think right now, and think I think with Magic going forward with COVID during the season, that's that's the best way to play magic if at all right with your buddies and everything like absolutely yeah you, you can, can fire go off to legacy 100 percent. so like testing for these events you don't know how it's going to look like in the next year absolutely not so playing like I, I like legacy i haven't played modern in a little bit but i still have a modern deck like pioneer all these things standard you don't know what it's going to look like like it may even rotate next year and we don't know so commander oh, if sure. you want to yeah, all of those formats are kind of perpetually on pause right now. I know, like, the, the MDGO meta and the Arena meta are still in ex existence, and they're kind of still thriving in their own way, but those metas versus what would happen in paper are very, very different. Things. Yeah, the biggest part of Magic is the gathering, so, like, getting your buddies ready for, like, the deck or, like, making some changes or getting ready for a GP or open. Uh, Jeremy and James, who 
personal friends of mine last week we talked about we were going to go to the Louisville Open or Louisville GP in March, and it was my birthday weekend, and we had to cancel that week. Like, they canceled it and everything happened. Like, that's what you're getting ready for. You're testing for these events, and it just uh, just stops, and that's what everything happened. Yeah, like, my best magic memories from events are the night before a GP when we're all sitting around, like, trying to figure out what the fuck we're doing, and then just getting too drunk and ended up having to play, like, the first two rounds hungover. Those are the best memories of magic that I have. That's the best side event I ever did was really tipsy on mimosas about like at 11 o'clock. Hell yeah. Like, the same with like, we, I, we, I went to the Throne of Eldraine Pro Tour with one of my buddies we tested. And it was a nightmare format. So we were doing Oko, like 60% of the meta. It was awful. But yeah, the event up. there was so fun. See, they do like four, they do four day events for Pro Tour. Oh, sick. Oh, it was one day too many, but I was, I was burnt, but it was so incredible. <laughs> I just grinded big cards the whole time on side events, and that's all I wanted. I mean, yeah, that's all you really need to do. But you actually just mentioned something that I kind of wanted to talk about. You and me, I didn't know this before we started talking. You actually know the guys from last week. Oh, personal friends. They're my, com- they're my commander group. We th- Once we get, like, there's some history there that is kind of crazy that what my parents let me do as a young child, hanging out <laughs> with these guys. But no, yeah, like, we, we're personal friends. That's so fucking cool. I'm just completing my collector's edition of guys who played together from Kentucky. That's it. And I actually, so we're so close. So we live in the tri-state of Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia. And I just moved over here from Ohio. Even though I was closer living to James who lived in Kentucky, now I'm like 10 minutes away. But now, like, James is going to come to my house tomorrow. Like, we're going to sort some cards, play some Commander, maybe some other things. But yeah, like, we're, we're all here. Oh, that's so sick. You're going to have to give him shit for me. Oh, 100%. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, so tell me a little bit more about the backstory behind that. So I'm currently 25. I just turned 25. And I started playing Magic at 12. I had oh. an uncle. I had an uncle that passed away a few months ago that got me into Magic, and I had some other family members. So I started back in the Alara block, which for a new player, sucked. <laughs> because you're buying these packs and you're buying these pre-construction. What colors are they? They're all three colors. Yeah, they're a thousand colors. So all the decks you're building are so garbage. And my uncle taught me with whatever legacy deck at the time. Like, he taught me with duels and GTA and Stoneforge and Goyfs. And I'm like, here's my Rod of Ruin. Here's my Goblin Piker, whatever. <laughs> and like, that's the way I was taught. Like, just being slugged for years. And then finally, so I played Kitchen Table all the way from Alara all the way new to Innistrad. So I bought my first box of Innistrad. I was probably around 15, 16 at the time. And then just going to the shop. Not really hanging out. Not really in tournaments. Wasn't confident yet. And then I think what every person does, and what, or this is what happened to me, you get cocky at the kitchen table. You say, hey, I feel like I can actually go win money at this game. And then you lose for like two years. Oh, and I yeah. feel like, oh, you, and I say that's, I, I think that's part of the game. I honestly think that's the part. It's because something finally clicks. Like maybe these cards are bad. So <laughs> that's when I met uh, Jeremy and James. And we, so that was in a straw, Dark Ascension. And uh, Avacyn, my first pre-release was Return to Ravnica. And I remember, like, that was such a big selling set. Like, there were so many people. And that's when I met them. And I was, so that would have been 17, 16 going on 17. And they were like, hey, we know you from FNM. We need someone to go with us to this GP. Do you want to go? And I remember my parents, I'm like, hey, there's no way you're going to let me go. And they're like, oh, no, here's all your money. We're going to pay for your hotel. Uh, I know we don't know these guys, but uh, have fun. Oh, shout out to your parents, dude. And I'm like, so sick. 
they didn't think Jeremy and James would be. They're like, wow, we're taking a kid that we don't know really that their parents just go, just have fun. My parents are weird. They're crazy people. And later finding out like in the past year that my uncle who played with me knew James and Jeremy and talked and kind of vented them out and like, was like, hey, told my parents, like, hey, these are cool dudes. Oh, He's shit. not going to get abducted. Yeah, yeah, So, like, without that, I would have not been able to go. And still at that age, I think that was my best GP finish. I think I, I record for day two, but I didn't want to. I thought that was too much time, so I just died. <laughs> I love that little kid mentality. You're just like, mm, I could just not do that instead. No, because it's, like, 10 a.m. to, like, 6 or 7. You barely get – this is what everybody – and gosh, you forget to eat. You don't have lunch. You're trying to like pee. I, you have the judge call to go to the bathroom, and now they have to escort you all the way to the door and everything. It's a crazy process. Oh yeah. And that's with that time we just and we just kept going to GPs. We kept going to opens, and then finally after I think a couple of years in it, so we just keep kept hanging out. I'd go to James's house. My mom would always bake like a dish, like be like, "Hey, thank you for hanging out with my son." And these guys were in the time like their mid twenties, late twenties. And I'm like there's 17 a, years old. There was an age gap there. Yeah, and then we always joke about that. My mom's bringing me like chip dips and desserts, and they're like, "We don't know what's happening, but we'll take everything." She <laughs> so we'll just be hanging out all weekends, playing magic, and like, yeah. And that's that was basically for years. We just did that and traveled. There was a big group of us, and that that was it. And we just always played F and M, always standard. James was always big into modern, and then after that. So years and years, and then when there was a part hit, we had a separation, and then I'm like, hey, I'm just going to go play modern, I'm going to go to this other shop, and then, then I found out I was an idiot, came back, and then I think around, gosh, it was probably Almanquet is when we all start hanging out and everything again, and it's been, we see each other, we talk every day since, what, Almanquet, what, like three years, four years, maybe something like that? Like, yeah, something like that. So we just talk, and it was always the same, that James and I are closer to the upper tier, Jeremy's always the lower tier, but I remember one time I either Jeremy talked me into it or I did. It was Dragon's Maze GP, and I took Maze's End. Yeah, that's why Maze's End. I remember getting thrashed by Boros Burn, but I loved every minute because <laughs> with the fog effects back then, they didn't take, they didn't fog non-combat damage. I would get hit with Boros Charm and all that, and it was just a time. But no, ever since then, like Almond Kent, Rivals, Excel, and all that, like we've been. All the way through, and then about a year ago, I started streaming. I, I got the equipment. I got everything together. And they're like, hey, what if we did a podcast? Because at the time, I was doing a wrestling podcast, too. And they're like, hey, what if we tank the equipment? They just record it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll sit there. I'll show you guys how to edit. I'll sit in for a few weeks. So I sat there for a few weeks showing them the little things, how to do things. And then now my, my babies left the nest. They do all their own thing now. And <laughs> now I got the Commander podcast with one of my buddies who tried to start it out. So it's... No, so theirs is more I talk about like magic news and magic daily, like what's happening every week. And we are strict commander on the mana rock. And that's the that's just how it is. Man, that is so cool. That's one of the things that I love hearing from people, especially when I go to events. Like talking to people about how they like started playing magic or when they started playing whatever format that is that event. Just hearing people's backstories, there are so many like diverse characters and diverse stories about how people got into the game. And I had no idea that you and the guys I talked to oh, a week 100%. ago were homies. And then we remember we every single standard just, deck. Wow. We remember every single standard deck we've always played. And we're like old men at a bar. Like, man, do you remember how cool this deck was? You remember how cool this standard deck was? James's big thing was mono blue Theros standard. That was always his big. 
Oh, yes. So I played mono black, and then that's when it was Maze's End, because I got so tired of Pack Rat. But every standard. My favorite one was probably, it was probably Return to Ravnica with Innistrad. So I played Humans. That's when you had that great Abzan reanimator deck. Yep. There were some really good ones around there. So when did you standard? So if you understand the reference. When did I standard? Well, I came in, and you mentioned that, like, that Return to Ravnica block era. That was, like, your first pre-release. Yeah. I feel like that, from every, almost everybody that I've talked to, that post-Innistrad pre-Ravnica moment, that was the renaissance of modern magic. That's when so much big shit happened. Like, they transferred to printing larger quantities of cards within that set of Return to Ravnica. So uh, there were just so much more people playing the game during that time. I feel like there's so many people who jumped in to the boat during that time. That was kind of when I started getting into magic, like end of Innistrad era, beginning of Return to Ravnica. Yeah. So you're right there with me. Like you remember the birth of Commander, Modern, all these things. And then that standard, like I, I have like so many standards. And that's what when we stopped was the only standard I didn't play was Battle for Zendikar, Shadows over Innistrad during that time. That's See, when I, I was huge into modern. Huge. I started like relatively early with standard because obviously was playing kitchen table and stuff and then decided like, oh, well, there's got to be some other way to play this game besides just sitting around and playing weird tribal decks with my friends. Then I discovered standard, which at that point was the Innistrad Return to Ravnica standard. I remember vividly that. What did you play? Bant. Hexproof deck. Loved it. With, with you got uh, Invisible Stalker. Yep. Geist, you got Ethereal Armor. Oh, yeah. And then Sign played, me up. You got Unflinching Courage later in the end. You played Spectral Flight. I remember that deck. That deck Absolutely. Was hot. That deck was so sick. I did. I Naya Humans. Naya Humans was my big one then. Humans was sweet. I just loved Geist so much. I think that's probably where like my love for spirits came from was probably born with Geist of St. Traff because that card was just so dumb to me. That was my <laughs> first standard. I got beat by a drunk man, and I will remember it my whole life because there was a bar next to the game store, and he think twice and, and treat the angels during my turn and blew me out in combat. That was a big <laughs> one. Uh, I remember that Jun deck with, like, uh, Huntsmaster, Abrupt Decay, Sire of Insanity. Oh, God. Don't uh, even, that's, like, basically what modern Jund was for a while. Yeah, because then you just didn't have Bob and then Liliana, and then that was that was it. And I remember that I hated because it was so grindy. It just wanted oh. to grind you out. But Emburial Rights, Goyf, or uh, Thragtusk, Hoof was where, where I loved it. That was a fun one. One of my all-time favorite standard formats, too, was the Return to Ravnica Theros standard because that blue-white control deck in that format was what I fucking live on. Like, the only win condition was... Elixir of Immortality, and yep. just making your opponent want to blow their brains out. It's, that was the worst deck to play against, and I loved playing it so much. Yeah, because Elspeth would come down, or sometimes they would run the one of Aetherling, right? That was like the... Yes, Aetherling was so sick. It was a 12 drop. You left all your mana up that you could, and then it was just done. Like, that was... Yeah, game over. Game over. And that was... So that's when I mono-blacked. That's when James was mono-blue. I remember there was a sweet... There was that one. Grill Monsters was during that time. Oh, what yeah, because you could play... Uh, well, Nykthos was huge in that. And then the green deck, you could play that one Seder that you tapped and untapped a land, so you could just produce a million mana with Nykthos. Yeah, and then that you World Spine Worm. They, they played that Garrick uh-huh. into World Spine Worm. That was a big one. But I remember Burmaz. I remember pulling like a foil Korean Burmaz or, 
or like some lands and trading it for like two boxes at a GP. Uh, oh. That that was one of the big memories I have with James and them is James and I bought a collection. And I was I was younger. We bought a collection from someone, and we bought it for hundreds and sold it for thousands. And I was like a kid at a candy store. Like, give me four in this. Give me old packs. Give me like I was I was a kid that had too much money at a GP, and it was awful. Yep. Yeah, I think we've all been at that point where it's like, I, you sell a bunch of cards and you're like, oh, I have all this money. What do I do? Oh, I'm at a place that there's infinite magic cards. Let's make irresponsible decisions. And it, it, and it's still, the memory was so fantastic. And that's when I played Mazes in because I think I was just mad. I'm like, oh, well, well, we scrubbed out. Whatever. We'll just go buy a bunch of stuff. But man, that standard, we always talk about Innistrad, Return to Ravnica, and then Return to Ravnica Theros was always just a really fun, because it adapted with every set. Like, so... When you got Xenoghost, then you got the Gruul Monsters, then Mono Black, uh, Pack Rat Tribal. Uh, like those were, you had that Sphinx's Revelation control deck. You had Supreme Verdict. You had yes. stuff like that. That was, well, and cards like that were great. And Pack Rat and like Desecration Demon were like $0. And then Theros came out and Black got huge. And then they were just immediately like $20. And this is where the magic finance comes in. I talked to you uh, uh, before. So mm -hmm. I'm super into magic finance. And you and I, where we started around this time, so it's like, let's say when Pioneer started. So when I heard Pioneer started, I thought of every single standard and every single good deck during that time. And I basically wrote down key cards and then I bought them all. So I'm like, yeah. okay, during this time, okay, we'll buy some pack rats. Okay, we'll buy some Underworld Connections if that comes back. Um, I remember buying some Desecration Demons. Okay, I'm like, Master Waves if we get Mono Blue. And that was just it. And I went all the way through. And because like you said, during that time of that standard, that just became modern Jund. So if you buy into it early and just sit on it, and then that's it. Yeah, there's a good chunk of change to be made with any sort of that MTG finance stuff. And you mentioned that you are far more into it than than oh. I certainly am. I've never been big into MTG finance. I'm always relatively savvy with my purchases, at least. But that's only when I'm looking to buy something. Yeah, like just, my dad taught me the stock market when I was pretty young. Just like, hey, this is something like you could do fun. And with magic, like that's what I do. Like that's you kind of see where the market and everything is. Like, here's a perfect example with Zendikar. Uh, like a week ago, I, I looked at my Lotus Cobras and I'm like, okay, we got Landfall coming back. Do I think they're going to reprint it? Okay, let's just sell it and see. And then here we go. Lotus Cobras again, reprinted. And going, I talk about this on the Mana Rock podcast. It's pretty easy when you look at sets you've already been to because you're like, okay, what's the key things? Kicker, Ally, Landfall. So then, okay, for Commander, what are the big things? You got some Omnas, probably your rock. Kickers, whatever, get that out of here. Maybe some allies. You pick up some of the older allies that are cheap, that are good. And then that's it. And you just sit on them and see what happens. I mean, yeah, that's that's a really good thing to mention, too. When you think about stuff that is going to be coming out, with Zenikar is a perfect example. You already kind of have an idea of what that's all about. Sure, the Eldrazi are not going to be there, but there's plenty of other shit to pick through in that set or in the past two visits of that set that we know are going to be revisited. Yeah, the big thing right now is, of course, like, so, of course, the reserve list, which will go up every day, and that's just boring stuff, whatever, whatever. But it's Commander. So Commander cards are the ones going up every single day. That's what I sell the most of online is just Commander cards are where it is. Standard right now, and this is what I would tell people, buy into some Standard cards right now. Rankle's like two or three bucks. Niv-Mizzet Reborn, what is a going to be rotated, played in Modern and Pioneer, it's like $2. Oh! And that's what people, too, is I think, like, with that just reaction, people don't know if cards are expensive or not expensive sometimes. Like you I just, did not know creeps. that card was that cheap. I had no clue. Yeah. James didn't know. We didn't know until he listened to the podcast. Smothering Tithe, Guardian Project, 
Return of the Wild Speaker is on its way up, which that card's standard garbage. Uh, Beast Whisper, <laughs> Beast Whisper is on the way up because they're all standard cards. Oh, that makes so much sense. I mean, so you have been doing the finance thing for a little bit now. How have you seen that the pandemic has affected MTG Finance as far as like a paper is concerned? Oh, for con- so with Constructed, with Standard Pioneer, uh, some modern, that's where you get in. It's so, so Euro halved during the pandemic. So Euro is now, it's, it's still up there. It's still 30, but it halved. So that's what I would look at. I think there's, there's a couple cards I've been buying a lot of uh, that still are in standard. Lovestruck Beast, because I think Lovestruck Beast goes into so many, like think of it with Modern Burn, having like a three drop five, five blocker and Pioneer. Like it's just, a, it'll always be a good body that will never be outdated. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty unique as far as its ability is concerned. Oh, 100%. And, like, those are the ones you look at. And I think with what Commander's looking for is, like, Panharmonicons. Like, they want some flashy cards. I remember looking at Vanquisher's Banner, saying this card's terrible. It's a quarter. Now it's, like, 10 $11. That's the plus one, plus one for creatures, and you choose a creature when it enters the battlefield? Or it draws a card? It draw, and, that, and that's what they need. So you play, like, goblins who need draw cards. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Vanquisher's Banner is a very, very powerful magic card. And that's what it is. But for paper constructed right now... It's, it's a lot cheaper because there's no tournaments except online and some cards will go up. So like, because this is the first real time this has actually happened. And like, this is why Ikoria, Ikoria was just, you, you nerf your biggest mechanic. There's nothing really, you have some cards, but other than that, like Ikoria didn't sell the best. No, I mean, outside of the companion mechanic, nothing out of Ikoria was really like, oh, this is the next big thing. I think Fiend Artisan is the only thing I can remember, like, and you just have that cycling standard deck. But, yeah, I think Fiend Artisan is just the best thing out of there. But other than that, because, like, this is what I was talking to you. We may, in a year, it may be rotated, and we've never got to officially play standard Ikoria. Yeah, you've never got to hold a paper Ikoria card in your hand and play it at a physical tournament. I think we'll see a giant price increase, because what's going to happen now is, I know we're talking about Jeremy from last week, too. He was like, what if I sell out of standard right now? We don't know when we're going to play. So then I can just buy back into it or get the cards I need when we play again. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to do. So whenever sure. they say, hey, the dust is cleared, we're going back, I think standard cards are going to skyrocket. You you know as well as me, last time, the, the Shocklands are doing the exact same thing. History repeats itself. Absolutely. They go down uh, like Watery Graves. What did I sell this week? Watery Graves are like six bucks. Temple Gardens are like six bucks. You just pick them all. You just yeah. Well, while they're available for that, like around $5 mark, you just get the ones that you need if you need them. And then if you are going to do like the, the finance aspect of it, get as many as you can, because like you said, in a year's time, those are going to be $10 easy. Well, and not even that, like you can use them during that time. They're not usually going to go down either further. Like those sure. are the ones, like I always call them the fresh, hot rotatoes. Like all the things rotating are always going to drop super super hard absolutely but then you got to look at okay why is this card dropping is this in any other formats do i need to pick this up now will i ever play niv mizzet reborn in another format okay pick them up now because this will be the the cheapest my biggest thing what i'm telling people is the japanese war the spark walkers are going to be something oh people are really into but they're but they are are at like a pretty low price yeah considering the foil what they ones are. The foil ones, I think the most expensive uh, is Narset foil at like six, five to six hundred. But the yeah. non-foils are like ten bucks, maybe. It's Which because is criminal. Well, because I think what the thing is now is people are going to look at them in the future and they're going to be a collector's item. Like they're going to be this rare out of print thing, 
they're never going to reprint them. I like I I don't even know what they would even put them in. Yeah, those specific versions, Correct. those will never ever see reprinted. Maybe at some point we'll see some of like the really flagship like uncommon ones like you said Narset's a perfect example cuz that card is not They may put that art and like it, let's say commander deck and they put that art but like with the Japanese like the original Maybe not because they had these specific people make it. You know what I mean? Like this was I, supposed to be this one special thing. I don't think we'll ever see the Japanese art Planeswalkers ever, ever again. It's yeah. like a, another thing is like we're never going to see any of like the secret layers. We're never going to see that art printed in a regulation set ever. Yeah. And you, like you said, like Nara said, Ashiok, these are cards played in modern and pioneer. I think even in Narset's played in legacy, right? Like with mm-hmm. like you're, you're looking at these cards and still just a regular old war. The spark paper printing is two to three bucks at any time. So you, I, I like legacy just like the next guy, but it's one of those Narset will go up cause it's played in all these other formats. Yeah. I, I think especially the foil version legacy and vintage will keep the foil version price up for the remainder of time. And I think that's the and that's what I tell James and them because James Magic Finance some people it just goes over their head or they hate it, but I think it's easier than what some people th- think is just like is this card played in other formats? Sure. Okay. That's so it. for somebody out there who's like looking into getting into any kind of MTG finance, or for even the people who, like you said, some people they're just like I don't care, like this is stupid, I don't give mm-hmm. a shit. But what is like one piece of advice that you could give somebody that if they're looking to get into it? the one thing that really helps them opens the door for it. play magic. And I think I, a lot of people say that as a joke, I used to take people with me. Like when I would go to flea markets, antique shops, everyone, I, I would tell them to play magic because let's say you, you're newer to magic. You're going through a, a random box. You don't know what's good or bad, but if you're going through the box saying, okay, I know that's played in a modern deck. Okay. I know this is played in this deck. And then, you know, kind of where to look. And then usually that's where the price I always say there's one to two cards that always threw me for a loop that price was on play. Like if the card was played in other formats, glimpse the unthinkable was my white whale of not understanding (laughs) because it was like 45 bucks before that rare printing, like a a couple years ago. And it was not played in modern. It was because casual magic was around and it was the weirdest, best mill spell. Oh yeah. And that, but for people when I was training them to go to these things, but I think just plain magic, because we have Harold's Horn right now, uncommon. It's thirteen dollars. Whoa! Holy oh. shit! I sold one at eleven from Jumpstart two days ago. That is wild. Yeah, and like I that's the thing. You just got to know. I could very well just have like a copy of that or like a couple copies of that just sitting in like a bulk box somewhere. And because have no you buy idea. the precons, and people don't know like Soul Ring is like three dollars again. I ha- I have shops that I know selling out of hundreds of them. Thought Vessel. And because these are played, this is why I, I, I was talking to my wife the other day. I think Mana Crypt can be printed five times in a year and still be $100. You're probably right. Because how many Commander decks can you put those? Uh, every single one. Every single one. So you yeah. always have a deck you can put it in. You always have one you can sell or trade to someone. You know what I mean? It's, it's like they made this big thing by accident. And it's not going to be like Goy for Liliana where they can print to the moon and it's going to shoot down. Like, we had Mystery Boosters, we had this, and it's still sitting at, like, $96. Yeah, absolutely. That card is just Commander Gold. But th- th- that's my best advice, is just if you play Magic and see cards, and then you know kind of an understanding, and like I said, if you play Standard, like you and I did, like, just thinking of old cards, because I think that's why Pioneer was so easy for me to understand. It was like, 
standard old hits of the last eight years. So like, what's the best? And that's it. Just yeah. went there from there. So just like just a better understanding of the game or a better breadth of knowledge about the game is going to go a long way when buying and selling cards because you just know what's playable. You know, it's not. Yeah. And like, because like, especially with like with Pioneer, if you're wanting to, I have a lot of people because this is something I talk about. I do a lot of like $100 card buyouts, like not a full buyout, but I'll buy a hundred to invest. I'll be like, hey, this card's 20 cents, buy a hundred of them. And like, those are the ones because I'm like, okay, I'll tell you personally the ones I have now. I have Genesis. I own about okay. 200 Genesis because I thought that was a cool commander card. You're not uh, wrong. I, I bought a hundred and some happily ever afters because that's a keyword in commander that people like. The I win cards. Sure. Like, that makes a lot of sense. Do this weird thing. You win the game. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Demonic Embrace, because I thought it was standard. I think that still could have. But I think Demonic Embrace was like this really cool, really flex card that even if it hit two or three dollars, I bought a hundred at 20 cents. You're making a big increase there. Oh, my and goodness. Think, yeah, if that card even gets to a dollar. Yeah. And like, that's, that's a how, significant jump. And that's what I tell people. Like there's sometimes cards get so cheap that you just don't care to buy a hundred. So there's an Ugin's Nexus Corvold deck that happened in Pioneer. That with Ugin's Nexus, you sacked it to Corvold, right? And Ugin's Nexus, you get to take an extra turn, right? Sure, yep. So you sacked it, and that card went from a quarter to $8. Jesus. Because it was it was played. It did well in a tournament. It did it did pretty good. And that's how it went. Because that can just happen. You think All a card's bad? All it takes is that one good event for, like, a card to show up. And boom. I think a one good reap or, like, a... Like a new card, like a card you didn't think would work with. Like you're like, man, this card looks like it doesn't work. Like let's say Enter the Infinite, if Omniscience didn't exist, card's garbage. Sure. But then you get this other card, and you're like, okay, like you, the puzzle piece going together. And that's what I always yeah. say with new sets. Like if you just sit, if you just wait, if this card that's it. Perfect example is a uh, Inverter Truth. Oh yeah, because that card was dog shit nothing until Thassa's exactly. Oracle came around, and then everybody's like, wait, hold on, uh, we can do a thing with this. And that's what I just tell people is just like get magic cards here and there. Cause just like what, like what you said is some people just don't know. I had to talk to James today. Ugin, the ceaseless hunger foil. It's like $130. Oh yeah. That card's nuts because it's played. It's so many things. And like that, that's the part. And I, I, I love people talking to MTG finance. I can do it. I can literally talk to it for hours. I do hate the resist. I do think it's the worst thing ever, but it has made me a lot of money. <laughs> like, do you know the card? Have you ever heard the card Narwhal? Narwhal. That would be one that I would not be able to identify. It's probably, what is it? Wheat Nickel? What's he calling it? Wood Nickel? Wood Nickel, baby! That's yeah, right! We're we back! Talk, it's two and a double blue from, I think it's Homelands. And it's pro red and first strike, but it's a 2-2. Two -two. Four mana 2-2 two -two on the what reserve the list. What does a whale have first strike? I guess it's the horn. It's the horn. And it's on yeah, the reserve list. So I think that's what I would tell anyone is find those like five, ten dollar reserve list cards. Now, because this week, this is a perfect example. There was a $4 card, Life of the Blood, Lifeblood, shoot up to $42. Jeez. That's because eventually. I mean, that's reserve list shit, though. Eventually, though, if you look at these $10 reserve list cards, they're going to go up one day. It's going to happen. Yeah. And that's it. And, like, that's, if you look at these cards, and if, especially if they're played in other things, like Gaia's Cradle. Like, I remember, so you you and I, I, I I'm glad I can, you understand this whole thing. Do you remember when they changed the legendary rule the first time where each player could have one? Yeah, the guys the same trap roll. And it, yeah, so every each person could have one, and then that shot Gaius Cradle, Mox Opal, and stuff up the first time. And I remember uh -huh. in other formats you would play Jace Bellerin to kill Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yeah, and then because, originally because that was when it changed was during Geist time because people used to play Geist to kill Geist. Yes, 
And then the big change was then in Dominaria with like you could have like the same planeswalker because it used to be you could only have like one Jace, right? That was the old rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had and your Jace the you Mind Sculptor, have. you couldn't play Jace like Unraveler mm-hmm. of uh, Secrets or whatever. Yep. And then, yeah, and that was like the changes. And like, so you think of those little cards of like Mirror Gallery, an awful legendary card. But then, hey, a few rules change here and there. Hey, look, Child of Alara, Alinda the Dusk Rose. These were dollar quarter cards that are now like $20, $30. Oh, yeah. Like I had a, a couple copies of like different uh, Gideons and different Elspeths for Legacy for death and taxes out of the sideboard. And when they made that change, a couple of my like just garbage two to $5 planeswalker shot up to like 10, 15 bucks because of one little rules change. I'm like, why this card's not even good. Mm -hmm. And like, that was a big thing. It was just like when little rules change or when little things happen, those are the times to sell. This is why I told people for years, I never played pre-release because the most expensive the cards will ever be is usually at that time. Is that weekend before the cards are actually out? And if you that's don't sell the them, most expensive. if you don't sell them, that's it. Like, you, so like, my, that's what my thing is. Like, am, I, am I gonna pay the lottery ticket to then try to sell cards online? Well, now I do. That was a lot. That, <laughs> that, that was the first one. But like that, like with that is, I tell people, new players especially, they're like, hey, I'm looking at this this card and it's like 100 and 150 bucks. And I'm like, sell it, sell it right now. Yeah. Sell it oh, as yeah. fast Throw as it you away. can. I like that's. I had a kid buy a case. He was new to magic, bought a case of collectors from 2020 or 2021. I hit, get it out of here. You need to sell every single one of those you own. Absolutely. And because like, that's the part is more going to be open. It's going to, because that's what, like you said, the product's not even out yet, but yeah, magic finance. And I think this is what happened is I was so into standard and finance. I'm like, I keep, I take this game too seriously. I was playing, I was, I was, uh, streaming every, every, every other day for a year. And then finally, a few months ago, I'm like, I am burnt out. I hit Mythic every month. What does that give me? Like, there's always another obstacle for competitive. Like, there's Absolutely. always going to be, you're, you're going to make try to make it all the way to that, that PPTQ or PTQ to then get to a GP or get to this or get to that and then get to the Pro Tour. And then even yeah. at the Pro Tour, you want to make it to the next one. Yeah, if you have that mindset, there's always going to be that next step that your brain's just like, nope, got to get to that thing over there. And You'll never the, stop. That's when it honestly hit me because I'm like, what am I doing this for? The one big thing I did, and this is what changed my home time of it, was a few months ago in Standard. I don't know if you've played Standard in the past few months. There was a mono green Yorvo deck. And silently, I was one of the people that helped launch that deck into the, the multiverse. <laughs> so what happened, it was a few, gosh, it was like Cat of, and all these boring things were happening. And I saw a random FNM in like another, like a Dakota, an Illinois, or somewhere. And the second place deck was this weird Yorvo deck that played Ram through and Jim Razor and all of these new cards. I'm like, and you're like, sign me the fuck up. Yeah. So I I played it on one stream one night and I went 17 and two. I'm like, oh my God, like that's match match wise. And I'm like, man, maybe we'll go the next night. So the whole, the whole rank before diamond or platinum right before uh, mythic, the next night I streamed it and I went 12 Oh match wise. We made changes to it. My buddies and I took this guy's list and I told him, I'm like, hey, I'm going to take it. I'm going to turn my my way on it. And then I went 12 and out and it caught fire. My average view rate for my articles on GoblinTraders.net were like five to six. You can see it right now. That one got close to 548 hours. Because of that deck. Because, well, it, there was three, it, it covered what I say, all the three bases. It covered new and fun and a boring standard. Something that people didn't see coming and the results like, just 
were incredible. Yeah, I'm, I can get behind that. And then that weekend was a mythic championship and someone, someone either took my 75 in the last minute and then they did the same thing and then they popped off and they've even like joined a pro team. They did everything. And I told him, I'm like, Hey man, thanks. Like, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad it did well for you, whatever. And yeah. And then that's when I just popped off that whole weekend. Yeah. It's so sick. And then oh, that's I when I looked that. at myself and I'm like, Oh, like this is cool and everything, but what do I do now? And then that's when I'm like, I need to have fun again, commander. And I've been, gosh, because I think the boringness never happens. You change a deck, other people change decks, so you never get that boring, stale feeling. Absolutely. I've definitely can't. been through that exact same thing, where I was, like, hyper-focused on competitive magic. Actually, I, I can really pinpoint, like, how you could pinpoint that moment where you played that deck, and you, and you just had that light switch go off in your brain. It was just like, oh, wait, no. I should probably be having fun with this game that I play. I had that exact moment. Um, it was when conspiracy one came out and I was just like really bogged down by like just trying to grind and play like all of the SEG opens and all of the GPs that I could play. And I was just like, fuck man, magic is a lot of work and I'm not really getting paid off for it. One of my buddies was just like, Hey, there's a conspiracy draft at our local shop. Why don't you come and play it? I'm like conspiracy. Why the fuck would I play that? It's not legal in standard. It's not legal in modern. Like none of that stuff really matters to me. He's like, no, come on, let's go do it. Went and did it, had one of the single best times I've ever had playing the game. And that just completely changed my mind entirely to the point where my pack one pick one in that draft was Silent Arbiter. Ugh. Three years later, after the fact, I remember that moment so much that I got Silent Arbiter tattooed on me. Really? Wow. Because that was such a profound moment in my magic career. I remember playing that card with Exalted Commander decks. Oh, hell yeah. My, my conspiracy pack one pick one was Dax Duplicate because I, <laughs> I was I was filled with dreams with it. I'm like, if I build around red blue, Dak will show up. And I remember <laughs> pack three, Dak was there. You manifested destiny with that one. It was it. And that's and you're you're exactly right. And like, you got to have fun. And because we still like got into this and it's almost like a kid of like, remember how much fun we started the game? Like hanging out at the kitchen table, drinking a few beers. Well, not when I was 15, but just hanging out. Just like, <laughs> you were having just, a couple sodas, root beers. Yeah, and just shooting shit and like hanging out with the guys, playing like some some weird decks. And I think that's where Commander gets the whole thing from. Oh, like, that, we, we brought it back to the Commander thing where everybody's just going to search for that moment where they started playing the game and they realize like, oh, this is the fucking best game ever made. When I was, so this was the only reason I had fun during this Pro Tour. So it was Pro Tour Throne of Eldraine last November. One of my buddies got qualified at GP Vegas. He said, hey, let's meet you and another guy. Let's just go to the GP. Like, you, you have the full arena count because you're a streamer. You have the cards. I need to borrow your cards and use your arena to stream. I said, absolutely. So we test. We get all that stuff done. I'm like, well, I'm not going to play standard in these side events because I'm just going to play Oko. Like, yeah, that's, that's boring. So boring. So I played a Gruul deck and I grinded out two big cards that are behind me. I got the the Wolf Garrick and a Temple Garden. I really oh, wanted. that's so sick. Yeah, gonna get him framed the whole thing. And my buddy, my other guy, was like, "Hey, you got to come do this new thing. Let's do this before you play standard." And that's when Mystery Boosters were released. Ooh, Mystery we Boosters the, is such a good format. We were in the seventh Mystery Booster ever played. Oh, that's so cool. And they were like writing down cards. And I remember if I told people, if it wasn't for Mystery Booster, I would have not had fun that week. I would have just like, 
played commander and that'd be great but like there was more in the mystery booster queue than there was the gp at the pro tour good that's that shit that's what that gives me faith in the future of magic I and that's why I got these these, these special test cards and how they did it and they were going to remember they were going to do it this whole year for a lot of key GPs. Oh yeah. So I don't know if they're going to do it again and that's what with the mystery boosters is the only way you could get a sealed pack. So they said if you would draft and you would drop, they would ban you from any more mystery booster drafts. Brutal. Because it it would ruin the pod and that was the whole thing of the weekend. Oh, because so it was about way, the experience. Exactly, and there was like special draft cards and they didn't want you to do these things. And there was a sealed, and I remember the packs at that time were going for $45, and they're still going for $40, $45, because they're for so the hard to get a hold of. Boosters. Yeah, for the convention onlys, because they yep. had those special Because they have the, yeah, the play test cards, yep, yep. And that's when the only way to get packs in the pod is you had to get first or second. And first got three, and second got two. And I remember I was able to, like, for the Destroy Target Permanent guys from last week, I gave them a pack to open on stream. I'm like, hey, just like, give it back. I told James if he opens Slav Mizzet, it's absolutely his as a gift because that's the only one he <laughs> wanted. But those cards, I remember all the playtest cards were being bought for a quarter because no one knew if there was going to be a market. And if oh, now, of boy. course, they knew there was. And I remember like complete sets. They showed they sold a sheet, an uncut sheet for like seven grand. They are all it was. Jeez. And that's what if it wasn't for Mystery Booster and coming back to that's the fun of magic that all my commander decks are janky weird things. And, like, that's what I think the part is, is, like, you can do tribal goats, minotaurs, whatever, and you can still have fun. Absolutely. Like that's, and that, that is the heart of the game. And like, and like we mentioned earlier, we, it always just comes back to, like, that's the, pretty much the heart of Commander. And it always changes. Like, James likes to play a little cutthroat, and that's fine. He likes to play. He, he talked about it last week. You asked him, like, all his favorites cards, and they were always, like... Yeah, and they're always, they're asshole cards. Top tier, awful. And then Jeremy loves weird, but lower tier, like crazy shenanigans, putting puzzle pieces. I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. Right now, my commander decks are white, black, new Athreos Pestilence themed from another uh, podcast that I got it from. Okay. I got a Fire Song and Sun Speaker and a Nahambi Reanimator deck. Ooh. Super fun. I took That's my own spin. It was floating around, took my own spin on it. But yeah, like James has fun with his Niv Visit Perun. Jeremy plays Kirador, and we just play, you know what I mean? Like, everyone can do their own thing because it was multiplayer. It kind of, like, if you're playing that top tier, you can kind of be hated out. Mm -hmm. It's this crazy, crazy format, and that's, I think this is where I'm going to go. I, I think standard is going to be maybe some fun if it, when it comes back, or whatever, that I do that without stream and just commander is where it is. Because I think with a lot of people, too, right now, commander is where all the content is. Because why do you want to watch standard right now? You're not going to a shop. You're not buying singles. Like especially with people streaming like the tabletop commander with uh, spell table and stuff. Yeah, what a great idea. I want to get a pod of people and do that. Like for if a stream. If you ever do, let me know. I, okay, if you have two other it, people, yes. I will fire that off like right now. <laughs> think, we will stop the yeah. podcast. We'll just do it. I think Jeremy and then we've talked about James and then we've talked about doing it. Yeah, if you ever, because we have. This is when, when COVID started, when everyone got stimulated, stream equipment sold out everywhere. Oh, yeah, it was gone. It was gone. And, like, that's why I'm like, man, I'm, I'm so glad I have the stuff. And then now I want to play Commander with my friends that can't get stuff because some of them didn't have, like, a, a, a webcam a early on. And that, that was the big one that sold out really fast. But, yeah, if you ever want to, absolutely. Oh, dude, I'm so down. Because even, like, through the podcast, we ran an event for Corset 2021. We called it the post-release pre-release. And... We just had a bunch of people through our Discord. Shout out Fashion Shock Discord. Um, 
we all got on there. Everybody got six packs. We set up through spell table and we did a bunch of different pods where everybody just opened up their packs and built their decks like sealed decks. And then we just ran a normal like FNM style pre-release. And that's the way it's because I think that's what people miss. We have so many people talk like, yeah, Moto's great. Yeah, Arena's great. But I miss the paper. I miss, I miss feeling like, the cards. Yeah, like you miss the little flick of the cards. You, because this James sometimes like we know people that will have Internet Connect. That never happens in person. Like you never have to worry about maybe clicking the wrong thing or whatever. And that's the main the main part. Like. There's yeah, my opponent's never crazy. buffering when I'm sitting in an actual mm -hmm. event. There's never an audio connection issue when I'm sitting across the table from somebody at an FNM. Yeah, like our local <laughs> game shop has been doing like FNM arenas all digitally, like almost during this whole time. Uh -huh. uh, we're now moving to historic, but like that's with Commander, like with videos we have, I think from our local shop, someone has the main Zoom like premium and we'll give that out to everyone and that people just webcam. Oh, that's so sick. Every, every night. And like, yeah, I think that's what it should be is I know I'll get back in the competitive because I still have a lot of pioneer decks. I still have uh, I have a modern Ban Eldrazi together my, that my uncle had and then my standard decks. And that, that's what it will be. So little on you. What's your favorite modern deck? My favorite modern deck of all time or currently? Uh, both. What is do both? Favorite modern deck of all time has to be Esper Spirits, which was a brew of mine. When Spirits, for, I know I talked about this last week, but when Spirits first came out, in like Shadows of Ranistrad with like Spell Queller, Selfless Spirit, the good Rattle ones, Chains. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the the ones that actually made the deck a thing. Um, I saw all those cards in mini and immediately was just like, oh, I'm fucking in on this. And everybody was like, oh, collect a company. That's going to be so good. And I was like, no, fuck you. That's too mainstream. So I just jammed all of those spirits into a deck with the greatest card of all time, Aether Vial, yeah. and the second greatest card of all time, Lingering Souls, and just jammed that deck so hard. That was actually how I met my uh, co-host for the podcast was at an SCG IQ. I top aided with that garbage pile and he was one of my opponents along the way. And now we're absolutely like, was he friends. playing like an upper tier? Was he playing like a brew too? Oh, he was playing Bant Eldrazi when oh, Bant Eldrazi yeah. was very good. <laughs> oh, I also played during Eldrazi winner. I remember going to a GP with them saying, this is going to be incredible. And, it was the first weekend that it happened. and Oh, it was, was I went to the uh, Detroit one when that happened. Yeah, there were some people that just didn't know what was happening. And I remember like chalicing on zero somebody, chalicing mm -hmm. on one. Like that was that was the big part. So I think um like that I'm glad they banned that. My favorites what well, I, I played Bring Delight Scapeshift for like two and a half years. Oh, see, I fucking loved the uh, rug scapeshift deck before Bring Delight was printed. That was my shit because I just like Snapcaster loved... and stuff. Yeah, I just love casting Cryptic Command and uh, Anger of the Gods in the same deck. Like that was the best thing that I could have ever been doing. Yeah, like I, I remember seeing those lists because then I went from five color and then I, of course, went to like you're just red green and what it in, ended up now, like the Prismatic Omen. You got your escape. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the the probably optimal version. But <laughs> I remember that's a great that's a great little magic finance, too, at that point. So when they reprinted Scapeshift an M19 or M20, which one? And so that that was the more expensive card of that deck during that time. And Valakut was the cheaper one, and they flipped. So if you knew, it was like the supply and demand. So the, the supply of Escape Shift was going up, and then, okay, what was the now harder card to get, which was Valakut? Valakut, so you just, just jam Valakut. And that was, yeah, I played that. I think that was probably both. Just just that, I, I, I'll put that deck together, whatever. But with, with Pioneer now, I've played so many Pioneer decks, and then it stopped. 
I need to get my shit together with Pioneer, um, but I'm just going to wait until I can actually play that format. It's like a very diluted modern to a point. Like you can play your your band spirits. You can play like there's so there there was a really big brewing time like every other format just in the beginning. But I think they get so many cards. But I think right now everything's in a law because people talk about bannings and legacy modern pioneer all of them. But I mean yeah, that's every single day. There's somebody griping about something to be banned in a format. And I think like if they're not looking at it, and a lot of tournaments aren't being played, like other than Moto's health, which I don't, I think Wizards gave up on that a long time ago. Like they're not really looking at it hard. You know what no, I mean? I'm like they're not really more so at it. now than before. Everything was shut down, but I think once everything starts opening back up, it like you said, they're just gonna stop giving a shit about Magic Online health. That's why if they don't ban like Arkham's Astrolabe out of Legacy uh, before everything opens back up, I'm just like g- almost giving up on hope of the health of my favorite format. Which Do you sucks. still play Death and Taxes? Is that what you play? So well, I try to play Death and Taxes. Um, it's it's hard now because uh, traditionally the Delver matchup very very good. Now I think I Delver is probably favored against Death and Taxes, which is the worst sentence I have ever uttered in my entire life. Is it because they just attack now? Oh, they God, they more. have they have Oko now. Now, Rug Delver is just a better deck. So Tarmogoyf has always been a problem for Death and Taxes because you can't really attack through it. Um, and then even if you're playing a different flavor of Delver, the existence of uh, Dreadhorde Arcanist makes that matchup so much harder because now you have to deal with like eight different threats in that deck. It's it used really to be almost easy. like a control deck. Like they only had like two or three que- creatures like a... They had Goyf. I remember they played like Hooting Mandrels for that hot minute. Yep. It was like, like a protect the queen strategy. Like you you yeah. put out a threat and then as long as that threat doesn't go anywhere, you probably win that game. And that, now, that's what at that time, like I with Death in Texas, I've tried to pilot it and it's I had to switch to another one. That was too hard for me. Oh, see, I absolutely love that deck and I will never play another legacy deck because like once you take the time to invest into learning the ins and outs of that deck, it gets much more fun and much better to play. I've been playing ninjas and ninjas a bit. Ooh, blue black. I do like that deck a lot. I got to do the thing a couple times and that's like reveal a force off the top or reveal like a treasure cruise or something and like dome someone for five or whatever. Like that's absolutely that is such a brutal move. See, I love playing against ninjas because like the worst they're doing for me is flipping off like a, like a batter skull off top. And I'm like, Oh, that kind of sucks. But also, uh, Caracas. Yeah, and then like just, that, you just never have d- the ability to attack through a creature. Well, that was like Immerkul too. Like if they ever like, because that was always oh, just for the show and tell. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, yeah, get them good. Because I think that's what I think James played show and tell. I think that's I think that was one of the things he played or sneak and show. Sneak and show is yes. But like that's that's one of the parts of with Death and Text I always had trouble with. I'm like, do I do the thing now? Do I wait? Do I flicker wisp this thing? Like that when do the, I do the stuff? Yeah, that is by far the hardest part about that deck is knowing when to do things and like the, just the order of shit to do. Cause you think initially, like you look at the cards and you're just like, Oh, it's a pile of shitty white creatures. You put the shitty white creatures on the battlefield. You turn them sideways. Somehow you win the game, but there's so much nuance to those shitty white creatures. Like a flicker is a perfect example of like that card is a Swiss army knife. And you just, you need to know when you pull the Swiss army knife out. I think the games that deck gets aether vial and the decks, it doesn't ever sometimes a big gap oh yeah aether vial is uh, like i said the best card in magic and it, it is no exception for legacy death and taxes i mean just a flash uncounterable flicker wisp 
it, one that makes you want to really wasteland more. Like you don't care to do that because you still have your aether vial to like get things out, so you don't care to wasteland them to death or whatever. Like that's that's how I always remember Death and Taxes was. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, see the the other reason why Death and Taxes is getting worse, especially against Delver and stuff, is that decks are becoming more efficient, so that they they function off of less mana. So the mana uh, strangling strategy that Death and Taxes tried to to work like that pretty much lived on for its entire existence is just less effective now. And that's what things like Astrolabe, like you can't just tap down their one red source because that basic land that they have can just be a red source whenever they want because Astrolabe exists. It's and the, yeah, good. I think like, I think what you, like you said with Oko too, I think the rules on Oko, like the whole layers thing throws so many people off. Like it's still hard for me to comprehend oh, it sometimes. Everything about Oko is just a piece of shit. Fuck that card. <laughs> it, it, it was a giant mistake. Like, and that's, I remember going, so that Pro Tour, everyone was like, why didn't it get banned before? And we got there and it was Oko everything. Like it was Oko t-shirts for the Pro Tour, Oko banners, Oko everything. And that yeah, was just. Yeah, they really did shove it down your throat. I bought a God Oko t-shirt that I still wear to F and like when I go to the shop sometimes, <laughs> like, and that's what, like with legacy, I think like, I think legacy of course will be around. Like, I think it'll be, it'll be that rare time. Cause we talked about that or the guys talked about last week. Like it's harder and harder to find games, but I think that's where Moto will, that's where legacy lives. That's where legacy Absolutely. breathes. Yeah. That's the healthy community for legacy and vintage are all pretty much online in the health of that format relies a lot less on wizards and a lot more of the players in that format. It like, yeah, it, it's like with other formats, I think with legacy, like it just shakes out. So because the people have been playing it so long, you know what I mean? Like if you've been playing legacy for like 10 years, you know how to like, okay, we're getting to more artifactor. What, what's the back to basics when back to basics shot up, there's just key times that things just shift. Yeah. People know the format a little bit better. And also those old people uh, like myself and Matt, we just won't let, Old dogs lie. We're just, we have to beat the horse until it's dead. <laughs> and even after it's dead, we'll still be sitting here beating the horse of legacy and vintage and, until the end of time. And I think that's why it'll always, like, I, I think they'll always add new sets and then like the prices will always go up. Cause I think modern will go the way of legacy. And then you'll have all those cards and then pioneer and then whatever comes after pioneer. And it'll always just always, always, they're never going to say this set is dead. Like this no, thing never. that we've been like, they're not just going to come out and say, you know what? We're not going to support legacy anymore. We're never, they're never going to send it no. fully out to pasture. It's not going to be like, uh, the brawl the first time, the first brawl. <laughs> but we spent a lot of time talking about like the nostalgia factor of a lot of things and just how a lot of these older things you can still in today's age, still pull a lot of value out of. I think that is ever present in the release that we got this week about the, 2021 release schedule because there is a lot of nostalgia in this coming year nostalgia sells absolutely and we said that this year is the year of commander i don't know what exactly i'm trying to coin 2021 but it's gonna have something to do with the old heads because there is a lot of shit to look forward to for somebody who's been in the game whether it's been 10 years or 20 years the first set of the year is caldheim I think that's how you pronounce it. I've heard Coldheim, but I know it's either way. It's it's one of the things. I mean, on this podcast, we are notorious for not being able to pronounce anything. So it's all made up word. It's the Viking set. Let's call it that now. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So it's going to be a set based on 
uh, I guess, like North mythology. Sure. I, I just think of it like where Loki's from in Marvel. It's just going to be a snow place, probably snow lands, probably I can warriors, see that. different things. Yeah, that one's going to be kind of cool. I'm interested to see what they do with that. Um, the next one in the second quarter is going to be Strixhaven, School of the Mages. Hello, fucking Harry Potter set. Very excited. That is going to be really cool to see what they do with that. Uh, I don't know what is what to expect. It's probably like Kazmina, but this is the thing we talked about on Mana Rock this week. Like, we're so used to like a war, gritty, we're going to a snow place. And it's like, hey, we're going to school now. Like, there could be <laughs> something, but it may just be like a very lighthearted, there's not really anything going on type thing. Kind of like uh, Eldraine, where that it was more focused on the theme of it and not so much the conflict of the storyline. What I think is going to be big about those two sets, while, while we're just touching on both those, is with the new party mechanic. Because I know like they with warriors connected to the Viking and stuff set, and then with wizards connected to the school, that adds to the party mechanic. Yes, that's very true. Because the party mechanic was spoiled also during this whole big thing that happened this week. Uh, the party mechanic is actually coming out of Zendikar. New, new Zendikar. Return to return to Zendikar. Uh, where I guess it the triggers on all of these cards are based on whether you have a creature on the battlefield that is a cleric, a rogue, a warrior, or a wizard, or any combination of those four things. And Which, if you have all of them together, sometimes a big thing happens. Yeah, if you if you have a full party. Which, that's a very interesting mechanic. Also, good to note that changelings do not, like a single changeling at least, does not trigger all of them at once because it has to be an individual thing for I say it's like a wild card. Things. It's like a wild card. It'll be whatever you want, but it can only be one. That is a perfect example, yes. Which, honestly, like you said, there's going to be warriors in uh, Calheem. There's going to be wizards in Strixhaven. This mechanic could also be very, very big for the third quarter set, which is Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Finally, we're getting the D&D crossover that everybody has been asking. It, when they announced it, I think it's going to make them like it's going to be this giant. Like they've been crossing over from Magic with Theros and they did it with with Ravnica and they've been crossing over. But this is going to be a huge. I wonder if it's going to be like a one off or if Jace is going to go to D&D. I hope it's like one giant like has nothing to do with actual Magic and it's all D&D. That's going to be kind of hard for them to manage, I think, an entire like an entire three sets of being mm. their own individual thing without tying into the story. So one of these three sets, either it's the Viking set, the Harry Potter set, or the D&D set, one of them has to have some significant story implication. I, I hope so. Because I think that's the whole thing with Party, is I think what they did with Party is this crazy thing, is they made this mechanic, other than the wizard, they all threw other mechanics that were lesser mechanics, and they brought them all up to a new level. Yes, absolutely. Because and Rankle is a rogue. Oh, he is. That is very true. So you got to look now all of these old standard cards that are like cheaper right now and like, okay, are these, are they special? Um, Was it Chevel, Chevel, whatever his name is? He's a warrior. So that's relevant text on that yeah. card now. So like you're, you're bringing these cards that are like kind of, and then you're bringing them up to this new light. And even to go back like into the history of magic, if they print something with this party mechanic that is nuts, you are really going to have to look at the cards, the creature types on the cards that you're putting in your deck, like just in preparation for the party mechanic, I was looking at D and D staples 
Avon Mind Sensor is a wizard. Yeah. Uh, Leonin Arbiter is a cleric. And I never knew that those were a thing, but Party made me consider it. That was my big thing. We talked about it on the Manor Rock this week. Uh, my co-host Oni was really wanting Snapcaster in this wizard set. He's really banking on banking on that one. And Ooh, I told that's a, like, big, that's a big ask. Well, hey, that's a wizard. You're, you're probably the biggest wizard. And this is what I told him is there, there's wizard commander decks and there's cards you don't believe are wizards. So you have to go look at everything. Master of Waves is a wizard. Yes, he is. And like, that's the weird part is they put these weird, you know, the main part of Master of Waves, the merfolk part. But then it's the second word you never care about. You never give a shit about the wizard. Always the merfolk, like never the wizard. They had an MTG finance card. Did you ever play the card? Edgewalker from Scourge. No, I can get 100% guarantee you I've never even seen that card. I played it a couple years ago. It makes cleric, it's an uncommon. That was a dollar yesterday. It makes clerics cost an Orzhov less and it can make it under zero. Like it can make it zero. So huh. with Shadowborn Apostles, they're clerics. You can play them all infinitely. Oh, there's zero mana. Correct. And then now it's $12. That, okay. Yep. Sure. That makes sense. Because you took this awful mechanic. And that's what I tell people, like, there's some old mechanic, like, you take these weird creature types, and then you, like, mine big is werewolves, and I think it's a perfect segue. I love werewolves. Oh, yeah. Because that's when, if we start during the Innistrad time, that was that big one. I played Mayor of Averbrook, Huntsmaster, all those really good ones, and we just need a good, I think we have a really good meat of the 99 deck, but the commander choices we have are. Are abysmal. There's one. Abysmal. And that's what I say with pirates, too, is pirates has a pretty good commander, but an awful 99 core. Like the creatures oh, you're 100% have. right. Because I built, shout out to Woodnickel, I built uh, Admiral Breckett Brass for Woodnickel. And the only reason why that card is, or why that deck is buildable in Woodnickel is because all of the pirates are commons and uncommons and they're all trash. Yeah, like Captain Lannery Storm, like you have that one. Even like the other rares or mythics are okay. But yeah, that's sure. what with werewolves is the difference is you have like, there, there's some really good ones in there. What Dustwatch oh, Recruiter, yeah. like you have those ones that can be good. So that's what I want when, if we're talking about these new sets with the new Innistrad, werewolves and then vampires, however they're going to do two full sets, whatever. Yeah, I want a the, Jund werewolf is all I want. Yeah, oh, that's wolf. going to be the fourth quarter set is the Innistrad werewolves and vampires. Again, I don't know what they, they said it was two full sets and I don't know how it's going to work, but whatever. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is there going to be like a werewolves version of the set? With its own set of cards and a vampire yes. version with its own set of cards. That's what they said. Yes, that's what they said. Yeah, but are there going to be like within that? There's got to be some cards that are crossovers between the two. Like I hope I'm, so. I'm assuming there's going to be humans in both of them because that's a big part of Innistrad too. Is humans? Yeah, like because that was always like the humans fighting the people. That's actually my D and D right now is one of the Innistrad D and Ds that we found on the internet. And like that's the with werewolves. Is it, this is my simple ask? I want a Jund. Just casting cost, 3-3, three, three, that just buffs werewolves and wolves. Not a giant ask. That's all I want. No, it's that simple. seems pretty reasonable. Because then you can play your red-green werewolves, and then with the blank, you get to add the Garricks that make wolves that have the wolves matter stuff. So then you can play the the both. I love that. That's actually a brilliant idea. That actually sounds like a, such a fun commander to build, too. Yeah, and it's like easy, and I think with Commander Legends, I, I, I hope I get everything I want. Fingers crossed, man. I got a lot of hopes for Commander Legends. Uh, but it remains to be seen whether they're going to deliver or not. It, it's it's weird how they started out with partner, but with commander, I think it's a thing is like you'll get something eventually. I'm playing minotaurs right now because with jumpstart we got tons tons yeah. of good new commanders. And actually, bringing that always back to MTG finance, jumpstart made a lot of people a lot of money. 
because oh, one yeah. because one happened is you buy that scent. I bought so many boxes of that. Flip the singles because uh, Allosaurus Shepherd shot up from seventy to like hundred and twenty, <laughs> and then you and then now shops are getting them back this week. These next two weeks, jump starts coming back from the print that they had to stop during COVID. So now, like during that time, but people needed those new commanders. Yeah, absolutely. Tiny Bones is a rogue. Yo, Tiny Bones is a rogue. Shout out to I'm, Tiny Bones. I'm building a or a new Tazari deck from the new Zendikar. So that's why I've looked up all these weird oh, creature there you types. Go. I love it. Yes. Oh, that's so sick. Also, another thing to note about these, at least the main sets that are going to be released in 2021, all of them are top-down design, which is mm -hmm. pretty wild. Like, we have the, the top-down Viking set, the top-down Harry Potter set, the top-down D&D set, and then a return to the original top-down Gothic Horror set. And just from... It, past experiences with these top-down sets they have always been some of my absolute favorites yeah like they, they just do so much for the game i think that's especially with innistrad being like this because like you said there were so many people like us that came in during that time and that's why they don't i didn't like i like shadows eldrick moon i didn't like when they they contaminated it with magic harpies my my favorite playing with this stuff but i yeah. really got back into it with davriel's storyline when they did the book uh, Children of the Nameless, that was really good. His whole character and every development. Uh -huh. and I, it, it's probably just going to be like Zendikar. is like, okay, what happened after the Eldrazi? Like, what happened it's, after? It's that? a return to form for the Gothic horror. And, yeah, that, like, that's the big thing. Because with the story, I, I follow minimal story, but it's like, if Avacyn's gone now, who do the people worship? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the, the There's little a lot stuff. of loose ends to tie. And this is where the finance part is, okay, you know we're going back to Innistrad in a year. This is when you pick up, like, your mayor of Averbrox. Like, think they're having a full-blown werewolf part. Sure. And then Bloodline Keeper, if you remember that, that card's like oh, $17. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, so that, that that's a little late to the game because Vampires is the upper commander stuff. So you pick up these, like, low... You know what I mean? So if we know this for facts, there's those Wizard Matters cards. Like, that's why I tell people, finance is just not... You just look. You just... You just see it, and they're like, they tell you what the theme is, and then you look at the theme and see what happens in the past. Yeah, you just build off of whatever they're giving you, and they give it to you for free. So and that's <laughs> just it. go. Like with the warrior stuff, like there's some old warrior if you go with the Viking stuff, but I think with wizards, like they just said, like, hey, this is like wizarding school Harry Potter stuff. So you look at old wizard mattered cards, like, and that's you just go from there, and usually it ends up working well. Like that's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Especially yeah. with vampires. Vampires is an upper tier commander, so I think that's going to be like people. People like the vampires. Though. Oh, absolutely. People are very into vampires. But yeah, I'm interested to see how 2021 shakes out as far as these standard legal sets are concerned. Of course, COVID will take a, a vile part of if we can go back, if it's going absolutely. to, or are we going to stick like this? And I think like that's what the game is. I, we, I always talk about. This is the year of a, a global pandemic, and this is the most products Wizards have ever released in one year, is in 2020. Yeah, uh, it seems not very fortuitous, but, They you plan know, years ahead, so they could have never known what it's, hey, we're printing the most stuff in one year in a, a global pandemic sample. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing that I was thinking, too, with the cards from uh, Return to Return to Zendikar, they have this partner mechanic. I'm assuming that this partner mechanic was around when they were thinking of this Dungeons and Dragons thing. So I can only imagine the cool ass mechanics that are going to be in this Dungeons and Dragons set. If they thought that the partner mechanic that brings a party together isn't in that set. 
my co-host, he, he guessed, like, this is the thing he said, and I didn't see this. He goes, this is gathering your party up to the quest that is D&D set. Holy fuck, that is brilliant. And that's what I told him. I'm like, I had never even thought of that. He goes, yeah, because you're going to every world, collecting the people for your party to then go on the adventure. I'm like, that's next level stuff. I would have known. Oh, that's genius. Holy it makes sense. Shit. It makes sense. And if they do that as like a tie into the story, like Jace would be the wizard. I guess if Garrick, is he is he back on the good side now? He's back on the good side. The cult so, of eternity healed him up. He's Yeah, good. so he's the warrior. I guess like somebody can be the rogue, whether it's like Liliana or Liliana could possibly be like the cleric, I guess. Yeah, but if, they, like if they bring Dak Faden back, how about we do that? Like, that would be just... good. But if they find like a set of planeswalkers that are part of the core storyline, that they are a party and that somehow fits into the D&D set as a main storyline, that would be out of this world. I think they're trying to branch their their games. Like, they want people to go to both. Like, that's, of course, why the magic books were made, is for someone like me, that was D&D was this big universe that I knew nothing about. But, hey, if you print a magic book, so that's something I know. That's so I, at least definitely. I can grasp onto that. So with this, it's going to be kind of harder for these people. But I know people that, that don't play magic at all, and they bought some of the Godzilla cards. Oh, there you go. Just because and like, Godzilla. And, and just because Godzilla. And, like, that was, like... They heard of the miss the the print with the death corona on that card, and they just <laughs> they didn't they don't play magic and like that's with I think wizards in the future is going to go a lot with these brand deals. We're going to have different things, even though D and D's their new thing. I think we're going to have other other Godzilla like cards. Yeah, just other IPs joining the magic universe because it's almost like free money. You print stuff that the nerds oh, yeah. of magic like that are close to, and then you hope like that that sells very well. It is exactly free money. <laughs> from all of the nerds out there from every single corner of the universe. 100%. God, I do want to do like a D&D campaign, but like kind of magic themed. I don't like either make a podcast out of it or just do you it do for fun. do video. Yeah, like I know people that do webcam ones. So the, if you didn't know for years before they did re reskins that Wizards released called Plane Chase that were, hey, for the D&D this year, they, I think they started like in Theros or Shadows of Innistrad. And they would give you the story and how to do everything. Well, on Goldfish a few years ago, like years ago, someone made a full puzzles and everything in a Strahd set that me and my buddies are doing. And it's in a Strahd during the time and like you're, you're going through, you work for the church and someone really set up every single thing you ever need for it. Oh, that's so sick. No, it's I, out there. It, I would it really love to is. get a group of people who have never played D&D before, like myself, and have a dungeon master that knows what the fuck they're doing and then just record like four people that are just blindly just <laughs> fucking their way through a campaign and just see the dumb shit that we can get into you just need to know to have the one person that knows what they're doing and then all the rest just it'll yeah just i want to do unfold. that so fucking bad holy shit yeah so i mean i think that's a good wrap up for the 2021 releases as far as the standard yeah. stuff goes there are two other sets coming out in 2021 one i'm very excited about one i am terrified about the one I'm excited about is Time Spiral Remastered. That's going to be so sick. It's so weird to me. You know what I mean? Like, that's from out of nowhere. No one could have called that they were going to make Time Spiral. Re time Spiral. What, what, what was it before? The purple time shifted. Time shifted. Yes. Is basically what they're doing. Yeah. So it's just the concept of Time Spiral Block Limited jammed into one set. But they're also going to be modern cards in the set printed with old border which 
if there is anything that I have ever needed to white border in my entire life, it is that Chalice of the Boy yeah. in old frame. I guess that's true. Like that's and that I think with Time Spiral, I remember talking about this years ago for Modern, is I thought it was the most contributing modern set. Because it gave you like ancient grudge and all these little things you didn't think of. And like that's what like it really gave to people. Yeah, like, absolutely. But I'm oh, excited for that. Talking about another set that it gave a lot to modern, but in a much more negative eye, uh, we're into Modern Horizons too. I hate this in so many ways. Absolutely. Fuck Modern Horizons so hard. Oh my God. There are so many cars in Modern Horizons that I hate. If they do it again to me, oh, I'm going to I want them the... to reprint some of the like Ren and Six. Like, how about some expensive things that are still hard to get? What <laughs> I hate is they have seven sets and they say, they, they literally said this in the announcement like, hey, we know you were wanting fetches, the ones that are super expensive. We put them in the most expensive product we have for 2021. Like, come on. Like, really? You did. Like, like, honestly, look, we have we have so many other sets that you could have put them in. But it's like, hey, we are telling you they're going to be in the set. Like, okay, sure. It's You have your 8 to $10 product that you're just going to put. Like, and of course, they're going to have chase cards. But I'm like, we got fetches last time in CODs. Like, just, just give us something. Ban them instantly in Pioneer. I don't care. Just give them to them. Well, my thing was, too, when they made that announcement that fetches are going to be in Modern Horizons 2, or these Zendikar fetches are going to be in Modern Horizons 2, because that they did announce that. Why... In the world, would they not put those in Time Spiral Remastered with Old Border to match the original fetches from Onslaught? Because then you have the entire set of Old Bordered ones and then all of the new Bordered ones. That makes so much sense. And I think it's because, like, they try to put so much in things. And I think what's standard is, I think a lot of people expect a lot of reprints. Like, hey, we're going back to Innistrad. Let's say Shadows Over Innistrad. Everyone's like... I wonder if they'll put Snapcaster. I wonder if... No, they'll put one reprint that you want. And maybe you don't even want. Like Mind Sensor in Almaket. Like, and th- that's it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, we got not, Crucible Worlds. You, you have Scape to live Shift, off that. And like, that's... You, you get new cards, and then they give you these Commander decks. Everyone was just wanting them to put them in some Commander decks. But I think with Fetches, is it's kind of like Mana Crypt. Like, they know people want them. They'll yeah. know they'll pay whatever. Just 100%. put them in the product. Yeah, I mean, fetches are tough at that point, too, especially the Zenikar ones, because they are at such a high price point. But just availability is all I'm asking. It's not 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 in really that hard to put them in something that people can get easily. The the only thing that I'm hoping for is with this new announcement with the expeditions in Zendikar, where you can get the non-foils in packs. And I'm hoping that the, where the foils are only in collectors and non-foils, because I remember last time seeing so many, so many expeditions pulled. But with this time with the non-foil, I'm hoping that they're in more circulation. You know what I mean? Where they're oh yeah, that could be it. cheaper to find or easier to find than <laughs> the even normal versions. Yeah, because those were uh, not easy to come by. And hopefully that's the way it is. Because I just remember seeing so many, but they were so expensive, like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So hopefully oh, yeah. with the they're being in two different types of packs and with non-foil, hopefully that helps out. We can only hope. Well, I think uh, that pretty much ties up all of 2021 lane what do you what do you feel about going into 2021 what's your uh what's your vibe going into this i think it could be one of the best years of magic if they do it correctly i'm really about the vikings i think they could do it in a really cool way with snow covered stuff if you tie in like that's what i'm thinking with finance too like do i buy screds now do screds oh hey scred red that would you remember that for a hot little bit like that deck was cool and modern like you just think of things like that 
I think the the wizard set, we just don't know a lot about it. Like, we just think it's going to be this froofy. If they ever did a Harry Potter transfer, that would be it. But, of course, within Estrada and everything else, like, that, those were the D&D one, too. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. think they could do a lot of big things. Yeah, I'm calling Strixhaven the Harry Potter set until they prove me wrong. But, yeah, like you said, there's so much room for them to be awesome in 2021. I would say my mood is uh, cautiously optimistic. That's the best. I I think... I think James says that all the time is cautiously optimistic is because you can think this is what we always tell wrestling fans too. You always think you, they could do these incredible things. And then sometimes they just are like, we're going to print companion. <laughs> that is like, wizards to a fucking T. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, so perfect. Well, Lane, I think there is actually, there's only one more thing we have to do this episode. Really? Yes. I don't know if you're familiar or not. I am. Oh, you are perfect. Oh, you know all about what's coming your way. I am. Yes. So Lane knows, but if you don't, every week we close out the episode with a little game that we like to call Accumulated Knowledge. And in this game, I go to the Scryfall website. I hit the random card generating button and a random card pops up. I am going to ask Lane the name of that card. He has to give me the mana cost of that card. Uh, Lane, since it's just you and you don't have anybody to compete against, all you have to do is get three out of five right, and I will give you uh, three hints throughout the game. I want to be better than Jeremy, but I think I'll be a little worse than James because his he got some good ones. Okay, so you're just trying to fall right in between that. Yeah, hundred percent. That's where <laughs> I'll I always want to be. Sweet spot for the Kentucky boys. Always right there. You want to find that nice sweet spot. Perfect. Well, are you ready for your first card? I'm so ready. I hope it's something not weird. So your first card is Graph Rats. Two and a black? Three and a black? Oh, is your final answer? Just going into it. So, like I said, and I I talked about this in the episode, I kind of took a little... I I played Modern during that time. I just remember it melds, and I think it was like the first one they spoiled. I'll I'll go two and a black. I'll go two and a black. Okay, so confirm two and a black is your answer. Yes. It is one and a black. God, no. God, you were so right, though. It is that first meld one that they spoiled. <laughs> I remember looking at it, and you know what happens in my mind is cards trash. It, it emptied my mind. <laughs> like, I've I never thought of that card again. I don't blame you, because this card is not particularly good. It is one in a black for a 2-1 creature. It is a rat, obviously. And it says at the beginning of your combat on your turn, if you both own and control graph rats as a creature named Midnight Scavenger, exile them, then meld them into Chittering Host. I've so never have... melded. I've never got to meld. Anything ever? I have a deck that has the Brizella, and I've never got to do it. Oh, see, I have. I did this in Limited with exactly Graph Rats and uh, Midnight Scavenger, and it uh really wasn't worth it. Yeah, like that. that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. I forced it because I could, because I just had the ability to, and uh, I regretted it ever since. I like that. I want them to bring that back one day. That is a really weird thing. I want them to do it like big, though. I want to put four cards into a card that's big enough to like barely fit on my playmat. That's all I want. I think that'd be the best. Make it inconvenient for me to attack with this. <laughs> that's how. That's how big I want this motherfucker to be. Oh my gosh, I could just think of it, and I feel like that would be just a nightmare for Arena. Is just trying to learn what meld is. It's like one of those those cards you win from the prize wall, like you said that you were when you won those at the uh, Pro Tour. I want it to be that fucking size that I have to put on my play mat. I, so it was, it was so weird that you bring that up. Cause I thought you were going to say that you could get that as a big card. It was Oko, Royal Science, Garrick, Ambush Viper. Oh, those were the picks. Hmm. 
and that because there's ambush viper always coming out of nowhere. That's uh that's an interesting selection. It is hundred percent. I do love the ambush viper, the big ass ambush viper. The the <laughs> the person there wanted me to get it. They're like, hey, we got we got one Garrick, one ambush viper. You have to choose. I'm like, oh no, I'm bad at that. I don't know what to do. <laughs> but I thought I would just get made fun of if I didn't get the. Like, if I got the Ambush Viper, they're like, out of everything you could have gotten, you brought Oh, I would have 1,000% taken the Ambush Viper with no thought whatsoever. Now the opposite's happening. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so are you ready for your second card? I hope I can get I feel like this one's a little bit easier. It is Spell Blast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think I remember this one. This is a Time Spiral Right card, too. Like, this was printed during that time. Is this just X in a black? Is that what it is? Or X in a blue. I'm sorry. X in a blue. It's a counter spell. Excellent blue. Is that your final answer? That is my final answer. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. Uh, uh, this card was originally printed in Alpha. Really? I did not know. Yes, that. originally printed in Alpha. Um, also in Beta. Also in Unlimited. Also in Revised, if you could believe it. Oh yeah. And there I believe it goes like it, all the way up to Fourth Edition. Yeah, Fourth Edition was its last printing. It is an instant speed spell for a blue and X. You counter target spell with convert a mana cost X. I will tell you that's 100% a guess because I was thinking of a card like Spell Burst or something that's the same from like Time Oh, uh, yeah, that's the buyback one. Yes, that's exactly the one I was thinking. And Shout I thought that was that card. That was it. Okay, so you're one for one. There we go. Uh, this next one, not as easy. <laughs> it is Argothian Pixies. Oh, no. I. Hey, just to remind you, you do have three hints. I, this is it. Give me, this is the hint. This is where I need it. Okay, what would you like? What, what's my choices? You can get the power and toughness if you'd like. You can get the creature type if you think that this is a creature. Uh, you can get what the card does. I recommend that one. That's the one. I, yeah, that's what I was. Okay, I will read you the text of Argothian Pixies. It says, Argothian Pixies can't be blocked by artifact creatures. Also, prevent all damage that would be dealt to Argothian Pixies by artifact creature oh gosh i'm just gonna guess this is i know i'm not gonna get anywhere i'm gonna guess like two and double blue two and double blue we're going with the double blue um that is uh not correct was it green it is very green it is one (sighs) green i knew it was i knew it was green or blue but i didn't want to be like hey these flying thing it's green yeah um turns out argothian pixies too small don't have flying yeah, never even heard of it before. I remember maybe seeing it one time. Yeah, not a I, thing. I don't blame you for not seeing it, <laughs> considering that it was printed in Antiquities, Chronicles, um, some Italian set, and then Master's Edition 4. Sure. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is a 2-1 if you were curious, just in case you were planned on uh, attacking through or blocking any artifact creatures in your near future. Hey, maybe one day. Maybe one day. A boy can dream. Okay, are you ready for your fourth one? I'm ready for my fourth one. Um, I think this one's pretty gettable. It is Smitten Swordmaster. Oh, I've cast this card a plethora of times. So we got Smitten Swordmaster is one in the black. And then the, is it, it's something's curry or fury or something is just a one black is the other part. So I'll go for the double. I am half tempted to give you a half a point for also yes. getting the second card. <laughs> Actually, no, fuck it. I, I'm I'm the master of this podcast. I'm giving Love you a half point for also getting a curry favor. Yeah. Which is the spell that is tacked on to Smitten Swordmaster, which is indeed one in a black. I cast this card so many times. I love this. Um, unfortunately, he is not 
uh, somebody who can fit into your party because he is a human knight. But you were right. He is a lifelink to one. Yeah, the, the lifelink. It was always the, the, the other part that mattered because you try to dome someone for like five or six in standard or in, uh, in limited. Like you always just try to dome them for the big, the big you know win what? with the curry favor. I will give you another uh, quarter of a point if you can yes. tell me what uh, curry favor does. Oh, now the only part I'm tripped up about is if it's an instant or sorcery. I'm going to say it's a sorcery. I'm pretty sure it's a sorcery. So it's oh, one land sorcery. I don't sorcery. care if you get if it's an instant or sorcery or not. Oh, I'll tell you right perfect. now it's a sorcery. It's an adventure sorcery. Uh, I just want to know what it does. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, deals X, you gain X equal to what your how many knights you have. Yeah, you nailed it. That's exactly it. To the, to the player only, right? You only do player? Yes, correct. Yeah, because yeah. it's a uh, gain life, drain life deal. So good. Yeah, so you currently have two and three quarter of a point. That's everything I ever wanted. Yeah. <laughs> so if somehow you can get at least one quarter of a point on your last one, you're you're in it. Yes. Can't wait. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for your last card? Here's what it's going to be. I'm going to guess it's going to be like a level up card, and I'm going to have to guess every level up, and that's how I'm going to get my my quarter. Oh, if if that was actually if you would have just called it right there, I would have <laughs> just given it to you. It didn't even matter what the card was. Yeah. We'll see, because I know it's going to be something like the Pixies again, but we'll... Unfortunately, it is not a level-up card. It is, I think, significantly more gettable than the Pixies, though, because this yes. is a very good card. It is Juniper Order Ranger. I've never heard of this card before. Really? I've never heard of this card before. Oh, I guess maybe it's also the uh, the white player in me is just like, oh, I've really enjoyed this card. So what is my other hints? I got casting cost, or what's what um, am I trying to get? I can literally give you anything about the card besides the actual cost of the card. Okay. Could you tell me? Man, I'm not, I don't need a hint. It, I bet it's one and double white. Oh, that's a that's actually a pretty solid guess. But that's all I got. Yeah. That is an incorrect guess. <laughs> I, I knew that was coming. I'll tell you what, though. When I read you Juniper Order Ranger, you're going to be like, oh, shit, this is a good card. Juniper Order Ranger is three, a green, and a white. It is a creature human knight. It is a two-four. And it says, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature and a plus one, plus one counter on Juniper Order Ranger. I know this card. I now looked it up. I feel awful. <laughs> I feel awful on my insides. Yeah, Juniper Order Ranger is the real deal. Was it like one of the, was it Cold Snap? That was its original printing, I believe. Yeah. Was or no. Oh my God. Its original printing was Salvat 2005. Sure. Uh, Salvat 2005 actually came up a lot in a previous episode with uh, an all-time all-star guest of the podcast, Corey, from If Lands Could Kill. He has been on this podcast, I believe, three or four times. And every single time, despite him saying that he knows nothing about Magic the Gathering, has crushed accumulated knowledge <laughs> every single fucking time. Yeah, you go in, you under, you you. Under promise, you over was it overachieve? Like you, you under you always say like, promise, over deliver, baby. That's it. <laughs> because then everyone, every it's gravy from there. It's yes. Gravy from oh yeah. Always under promise, over deliver. That's the life motto. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, you got two and three quarters points. I gotta get that. I gotta the, get that last one. You got the closest anybody's ever been to getting three points without getting three points. <laughs> Hey, you got to be the first at something. That's true. Um, and because you're the first at that, I'm going to give you the shout out for this week. Oh, really? Absolutely. Perfect. Are we going to go ahead with that now? Is that what we're going into? Yeah, it's all yours, bud. 
All right, perfect. I think the shout out here is just destroy target permanent podcast, the Manor Rock podcast. Manor Rock, if you love Commander, because that's all we litter in with Zendikar coming out. Shout out to my co-host Oni. Then you get destroy target permanent podcast. But I would really like to just thank you for letting me come on. I know it was just basically like, hey, you need someone? I'm a person. That's that's how that works. Oh my god, dude! It was an absolute blast having you on, and just the fact that we connected all the dots between it. the Destroy Target Permanent podcast, Mana Rock podcast, and the Fetch and Shock podcast. I feel like we just assembled Voltron throughout this entire process. And then, so I would love to come back on when your co-host comes back from the baby stuff. That would be the the dot there. But yeah, and what, if you ever need someone with commander and with finance knowledge, let me, hit me up. Absolutely. You know what I want to do at some point? I want to get me and all of the Kentucky boys together and just do something, whether it's a podcast or a live stream. If you've ever had a like five-hour podcast, that's um, what happened. Or actually, we've gotten pretty damn close. <laughs> <laughs> but why not? Let's push the boundaries. It's going to be like Titanic. It's going to be the long, the biggest download of like gigs or megabytes that it would be. That could happen. But yeah, yeah. we could go. Because that's how our podcast like lived. is just us talking the whole time. Fuck yes. So the stay tuned, everybody out there, for uh, Tyler and the Kentucky Boys podcast. I, <laughs> I don't know when that's going to happen, but it needs to happen. It will be one day. So look forward to that. Set your clocks uh, to, I don't know what time, but <laughs> set them to something. <laughs> All right. But for anybody out there who's listening, if you are interested in following us, if you like what you heard, Jump over to Twitter to the Fetch and Shock podcast. That is Fetch underscore Shock on Twitter. If you want to follow me, I am at Basic Landbin. And if you want to follow my co-host, he is at It's Bob, even though uh, Matt, my co-host, I'm pretty sure he's dead. <laughs> haven't heard from him. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I haven't. And then oh, wow. uh, how about your social media outlets? Where are you guys at? Yeah, I'm laying the main on everything. I literally, like, that's at the age of 13, I... Everywhere. That's the only place to find me. And then with the Manor Rock podcast, we have a podcast, Manor Rock podcast, with a Discord where we let people just share their deck list of any commander thing. And we talk about it every day. That's the place to go for our free commander Discord. Perfect. And then also, if you want to go to the Fetch and Shock Discord, you can find the link for that on our Twitter at Fetch underscore Shock or in the description of this podcast. Also, if you're interested in supporting the podcast a little bit more, Feel free to go over to flipsidegaming.com and at checkout, use code FETCH and you will get 10% off all of your magic related purchases. So uh, go ahead over there, MTG Finance, go save yourself, save yourself some money. All right, Lane. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on, man. This was a blast. Yeah, man. If you ever need someone with ADHD to talk the whole time, just let a brother know. I'll take over. Perfect. <laughs> I will. We will definitely be doing this in the future. But for everybody out there, we will see you later, nerds! <laughs>